Luke chapter number 21, turn there if you would please. It's certainly grateful to be able to get back to this passage of Scripture. If we look at Luke chapter 21, Jesus is in the last days of his earthly life before he'll be crucified. So understand there, this is within the last week, and a lot of things are going on. He has been, uh, he has been confronted, and he has been confronted by people who are fakes, that have come and tried to trip him up in his words. And they said to him publicly, they're trying to get him to, to, to do something blasphemous, something they can arrest him for quickly. And they've hired some men or got some men who are fakes. They're, they're the imposters. They're faking. And they're asking him, some, they're like, oh, I'm really sincere. What is your question? Here's my question for you. And one of them was about the money. They said, do we, do we need to pay our taxes the way that Caesar is making us pay taxes. That was one of the questions. And he said, if we're Christians, and he knew that they were going to give him there. He said, well, give me a coin. If, um, whose, whose picture is on the coin? He said, well, Caesar. He said, well, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God. And certainly, uh, he said, be honest with God, be honest with the government. It's part of the whole thing. And they said, okay, thank you. And they went away with their tail between their legs a little bit. Then the Sadducees, people who did not believe, and this is chapter 20, did not believe in the resurrection, gave him some far-fetched story. And you can read this in chapter 20. About, he said, there, you know, they didn't believe in the resurrection. They said, all right, whenever we're resurrected, um, there was a lady on earth, and she was married to a man, and, and uh, then he died. They didn't have any kids, and so his brother married her, and they had seven brothers, and all of them married her, and she didn't have a child, and then she died. Whose husband will she be in the resurrection? And they were referencing, they referenced him back to Deuteronomy chapter 25. And Jesus referenced them back to Exodus chapter number 3. He took them back to the law, and he reminded them, if you look in heaven, there is no marriage or given in marriage. You do err not knowing the scriptures. He tells them another passage of scripture and really puts them in their place and tells them that. He said, look, uh, God is the God of the living, not the dead. And remember, he told him, he said, and he's the God of, and when he talked to Moses in chapter 3 of Exodus, he said, you know, he's the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Well, they, they, they recognize that, and that means that he was a living God. They're living people. They're alive. You know, when someone dies, they've never been more alive than they are at that very moment. Yeah. They're alive. You're not a temporary person. Your body's temporary, but you're not. A hundred years from now, you will be somewhere living with God forever in heaven or without him forever in hell. A million years from today, you're either going to be with God in heaven or without him in the lake of fire. There's no other place if you believe the Bible that that's true. So he said, no, he's the God of the living. And then he went on to talk about David how that David said that my son, and he's not talking about Solomon, he's talking about the Jesus would be the son of David, that Jesus, the son, my son, will be my Lord. He referenced that in the book of Psalms. And he was making them understand that Jesus, the one who was talking to them, that they were trying to trick, uh, was not only the son of Abraham and the son of David, he was the son of God. And he was forcing them to tell them that. And after that, they durst ask him no more questions. He had them tied up in knots. Aren't you glad for the wisdom of God? 
Look at the end of verse number 20, of chapter 20, if you would please, in verse number 45. Then in the, in the audience of all the people, he said to his disciples, the, he's, in, he's in the temple, he's on the temple mount there, he's in the, in the court of the temple, and he says to his disciples, watch out or beware of the scribes which uh, desire to walk in long robes and love the greetings in the market, they're wanting the attention, and the highest seats of the synagogue and the chief rooms at the feast, they want everybody to know who they are and to have the best of the best. However, verse 47 says, which they devour widows' houses, the weakest uh, people in that society were the widows and the fatherless. They were the most vulnerable people. He said, but these people who want to be noticed, they really use their, their position to hurt weaker people in the society. They devour the widows' houses. Look at what else it says here. And they show make, and, and, and shall show make long prayers, and same shall be received the greater what? He said, you've got to watch out. Not everything that glitters is gold, and not everyone that makes themselves spiritual is actually spiritual. Some of them, they have a pretense of being spiritual, but the truth of the matter is they wound the weakest of our Christian circles. And he just reminds them, watch out for that. Now he goes into, and he, he goes, and in the temple, in the gate of the women and other areas, there were numbers of kind of like... A, a, uh, offering, offering plates. But the plates were not plates like we would have today that your usher's going to hold there. It was like a funnel. It was a large at the top and it angled down to a smaller thing. And they would give money there for a couple things. It was gifts to the Lord, but one was for the poor and the other was for the sacrifices of that time. And men would come and they would go. I think there were maybe as many as 12 or 14 of them, but in that large area. And all the Jews are coming and uh, they're coming and they give that. And Jesus watches with his disciples. He's in that area and he watches them give. Look at the Bible says in Luke chapter 21. Let's look at verse number one. And he looked up and he saw the rich men casting their gifts into the treasury. So he looks up and he sees that the wealthy men are putting their money in the treasury with no pretense and no hiding. And he saw also a certain poor widow casting in thither two mites. And he said, of a truth I say unto you that this poor widow hath cast in more than they all. For all these have of their abundance cast into the offerings of God. But uh, she, her penury, hath cast in all the living that she had. So Jesus here with his disciples is watching people take up the offering. He's watching people give their offering. And many wealthy men who had probably devoured people, widows' houses, came and making sure that they see what they gave and they, maybe they flashed the money or maybe they just open up and say, <laughs> where's my wallet? Let's see here, want to... Make sure I take care of the poor and the sacrifices. And they pull out their wallet and start putting it in there. Maybe the coins are a bag of coins that seems to be exorbitant. He saw the rich, rich men give. And then he watched a widow, a small little widow who's no doubt vulnerable, probably. And the Bible says this is all she had that day. She had two little mites. I think I have a picture of the mite. If we can show that there, that's kind of what it looked like. That's the proportion in someone's hand and two little small 
coins that were small and insignificant to most people and certainly to the wealthy. But in her hand, she had those two mites. She might have been deciding, do I put one in the poor and one in the, in the offering of the sacrifice? I don't know. But she came up and the Lord Jesus watched her with, we assume, 24 other eyeballs as the, as, the, as the disciples watched her come in. And I don't think she probably tried to get fanfare. She just opened up and put them in. Maybe the brass that they were tinged on the little funnel, and you could tell that wasn't very much. But she put it in there. And the Jesus took account to say, you know, she has brought the offerings of God, and she hath gave more than they all. You see all the other rich men? Because they gave out of their abundance. What they gave, they have plenty of more beyond that. They tipped God in his offerings. But she gave all that she had. And with their head spinning with that little information, trying to figure out, and Jesus oftentimes would challenge them. He would go on, and then I want to share with you a little bit of thoughts here from the passage here. And I feel like I need to go back to this passage. I think it would be helpful to us. As we talk a little bit about this, you know, money always gets our attention. Money gets my attention, it gets your attention. Everyone in this room has thought about money already today. And if I ask you how, you could tell me how. It may not even be about the offering. Linda and I sat down this morning, and we already decided what we have committed to give to the Lord in our, in our missions and what, we're gonna, what we owe the Lord with, based upon what he's given us this week, and we put that in our tithe. But, um, but that's not the only way I thought about money today. I've thought about it numerous times, and maybe you haven't thought about it, but I think most of us have. It gets our attention, and Jesus did not mind it. Matter of fact, it's a beautiful thing, but in the Bible, 148 times preaching is mentioned. 570-some-odd times prayer is mentioned. 1,800 times money and possessions are mentioned. Because the Bible says where a man's treasure is, there his. You cannot get more personal than when you start talking about someone's money. And Jesus doesn't mind getting personal. Matter of fact, he watched people give the offering. Stood there with 12 other guys and saw, well, that's a lot of money. Yeah, he gave quite a bit there, didn't he? Whoo, boy, he was proud of that too, wasn't he? And then watching a widow come. And ting, ting, two little pieces of brass to go in that little funnel down to the bottom. But now I want you to notice a couple of things. They're offerings of God. They weren't, to, they weren't to the temple. They weren't to the church. They were to the Lord. There are some things I think we can learn about that. Jesus would go on in this passage to talk about what was going to happen after in just a few short years. He was in the temple and outside the temple and he says to them, and they were so proud of the temple, the Jews at the time were so proud of all that was going on with the temple and how pretty it was and all that. Even the, uh, the grout had gold and silver and precious, precious uh, metals inside the grout. It was beautiful. And he told them, and he said, just in a short time, that there will not be one stone 
left un, on top of another stone. It's going to be taken all the way down to the ground. And they could not even fathom. That's not possible. These stones are so big and so challenging. Now, it would happen just as he said. In AD 70, Titus would come and he would settle on fire. He set on fire the entire city and that temple was burned and the fire melted the precious metals and the, the soldiers came and began to bring out the gold and the metals that were melted and, and turned over every stone, just like God said it would happen. It happened just like he said it would happen. By the way, everything God says is going to happen is going to happen. And you don't have to believe it, but he has got a track record that every time he said something was going to happen, it happened. And I think you and I might be able to look at his track record, look at his word, and decide, you know, I think I'm just going to believe God. Because God has a hard time believing that you and I have a hard time believing. Because he's never made a mistake. He's never made a prophecy that will not come to fruition. And we can trust him. He'll go on to tell some things, and I think some of the things we can see today, let me go there, and then we'll come back in just a few moments if we can. Verse number five, and, and, and some spake of the temple that was adorned with goodly stones and gifts and said, but as for these things which ye behold, the day will come when, uh, in which that there shall not be one, left upon, one stone left upon another and shall not be thrown down. Verse seven, and they asked him saying, Master, but when shall these things be? And what sign will be there that these things shall come to pass? In verse number eight, and he said, take heed that ye be not deceived. For many shall come in my name saying, I am the Christ. Or many folks have come on since that time and told us that they're the Messiah. And the time will draw near and ye shall know, ye shall, I'm sorry, go ye not therefore after them. And when ye shall hear of wars and commotions, not terrified, these things must first come to pass, but the end is not by and by. So there's going to be lots of problems. There have been wars and rumors of war all through history. He said, but when you find this, it is not, it's not the end yet. <clears throat> Go on, if you would, please, in verse number uh, 10. Then said he unto them, nation shall rise up against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and great earthquakes shall be in divers places, and famines, and pestilence, and fear, and sight, and a great sign shall be from, from, uh, be from heaven. But before all these things, they shall lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up into the synagogue, into the prisons, and being brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. And it shall turn to you for a testimony. Settle it, therefore, in your hearts, not to meditate on, therefore, what you shall answer. For I will give unto you... Uh, into your mouth and wisdom, which uh, all of your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay or nor resist. And ye shall be betrayed by both parents and children and brethren and kinfolks and friends. And some of you, they shall cause you to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for whose name's sake. And there shall not come a hair of your head perish. I want to tell you, I don't, I don't think I understand everything here, but here's what I do understand. The Bible tells us Jesus is telling the future. In general terms, he's telling that times are going to be challenging and there are going to be many things coming, but the end has not come. And of course, I think he's talking about his coming. If we look at Bible prophecy, we believe with all my, all my heart, the next thing on God's agenda, he's sending his son back from heaven. Not to come to the earth, but we'll meet the Lord in the air. Now that will start seven years of tribulation. 
Now, he is in the temple, he's in the temple, and he's talking to Jewish people. And it's unbelievable to me, of all times in history, and all this going on, right as we speak, here, right here in 2023, almost every newscast brings your attention to what country in the world? Can we say Israel? It's there. A small country the size of New Jersey. And yet... It is a place of great conflict, surrounded by 13 Muslim countries. It's a miracle in existence. And they're they're hated, anti-Semitism against the Jew because they carry the name of God. And we're going to find that I believe that, of course, uh, in the tribulation period, the church is not there. God will turn it right now in our time. The church is the main thing on God's agenda. It's, 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 our, it's, his, it's his work that's bringing that. But the church goes up to be with the Lord. Everyone who's redeemed by the Lord will go to be with him. And now the focus will turn to the nation of Israel. And do we have famines today? Sure, do we have earthquakes? This week I was given a little article that said that on Tuesday, 19 major earthquakes and volcanoes, volcanoes erupted on Tuesday of this week. I don't know if that's as, as totally accurate. It was sent to me. He said, something's going crazy on in the world. A lot of things going on. The ring of fire is active and the volcanoes are starting to come. Well, that's happened throughout ages. But you know what? It's going to happen on steroids in the tribulation period. It's going to be the like of which people be crying out, hoping that the rocks will kill them. And, of course, you and I will not be there based upon the knowledge I understand of the Scriptures. The church is exited out. It doesn't even show up in the tribulation period. But, but Israel becomes the focus. And Jesus is talking to the Jews during this time. But I wanted to take just a few moments, and I want to encourage you to read that. Look at that. You're going to see that there's many things. And we even see this today. People are being hurt and pulled into... into, into uh, great tortures and challenges, even as we speak, but it's going to become even worse in the tribulation period for the people of God. The Bible calls it the time of Jacob's trouble. Who is Jacob? He's Israel. He's Israel, the time of, of Israel's trouble, and that's going to be during the tribulation period. But this morning, I want to just go something just really practical. And I think is, it's interesting that we're here in Luke chapter 21, and God is talking about the offering of the Lord. And I want to talk to you about that just for a few moments, if we can, about giving to God, about giving to God. We won't have enough time to develop all of it, but I want you to understand that God has built in giving into his mechanism and for his kids. Now, some of you, you may have already gotten fired up and said, yeah, here we go. We're going to talk about giving. I'm, I'm disappointed that you feel that way. I think when you go through the checkout line at Walmart, you don't get offended. When you go buy a car and they say, well, let's just talk money, you don't say, ah, oh, you've hurt my feelings now. I'm out of here. You're talking about money? No, no. But God is put inside of all of us, and God asks his people, even a widow, to participate in generosity and giving. Do you know why? Giving is not God's way of raising funds. It's God's way of raising us. It's God's way of raising, of raising his children. He loves us. And I want to just give you a couple thoughts. The first, there are three areas in which we give. And every time we give these three things, we give to the Lord. 
This is not the offering of John Wilkerson or the offering of First Baptist Church. I try rarely ever to say I gave to the church because I didn't give to the church. I gave to God. I just gave it through the local church. That's where God tells us to drop it off at. He said, I want you to bring your tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house. In the New Testament, the Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15, if I tarry longer, you'll know how to behave yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar in the ground of truth. And church family, I want to just share with you just a couple things. Some of you, this will be remedial. You already know this, and you practice it. For some of you, you may have got a mental block, and you say, you know what, I'm not giving my money to the church. It's not the church's suffering, it's, it's you. And you're not giving to the church, you're giving to, to the Lord. And God has been so good to this church, I could not even imagine how good God has been to First Baptist Church. I'm not preaching this so we can get more money. That is not, is not even in my mind. But I want God's people that I love and care about to know how God thinks. And God wants us to give three ways, and listen fast. Number one, our tithe. That's when we give our tithe, and that is 10% out of anything God gives you. If he gives you $10, $1 belongs to him. If he gives you a dime, one penny belongs to him. He claims ownership. He calls it holy, like the Bible is holy, like the Holy Spirit is the name of God because it's God's, it's God's spirit. Like whenever we get saved, we become saints, holy ones. We, we belong to God. I love that song, now I belong to Jesus. Jesus belongs to me. When I got saved, now I'm holy. I belong to him. And he says the tithe is holy unto him. The tithe is one-tenth of whatever he's given us. And that when I return that to him, I am, that's one way of contributing to the Lord. The second way is when I give beyond my tithe. This is when I give beyond that. I begin 11% and keep going. That is something. God will grow my tithe, but I need to grow my giving. And the other way is when God lays in my heart, after I've given to God my tithe and my offering, when God lays in my heart to give to someone else in need. There'll always be people within your sphere of influence who will have need, and God will bring them to you. And when you give to meet someone in their need, you're not giving to them, you're giving to God. He said, whenever you do anything for the least of these, you've done it unto me. He said, when you give to the poor, you lend to the Lord. And that which you've given him, he will surely repay it. I think we look at this little widow and we see that, number one, God is interested in our giving. He knows about it. It's to him. And he knows what I have. He knows what I don't have. But I think it's important we understand those three areas. Our tithe, our giving beyond our tithe. And our, our sharing, our alms, or giving to other people. And by the way, every Christian should be in all three of those categories. Let me talk to you a little bit about the tithe. And I don't have time this morning, but in Malachi chapter 3 is one place in the Bible of many places that speaks of returning back to God what belongs to Him. It takes two things to tithe. It takes, first of all, honesty. I should say three things. Number two, it takes arithmetic. And number three, it takes obedience. Honestly assess how much God's given me, divide it by 10, and bring one-tenth of it to the Lord. Now, you don't have to do that. 
But I think it's sad when God's people who have been saved don't do it. And I'm going to tell you a couple things about it. Number one, the rate is 10%. So if, if whatever God gave you this last week, you were supposed to divide that by 10, and off the top, the, the nature is the first fruits, the start, the, the overall. You don't pay all your bills, and whatever you have left over, now I'll give this to the Lord. No, you're supposed to find out the first fruit. So the rate is 10%. The nature is the first fruit. Number two, the responsibility. The responsibility is for me to assess what God has given me. How many of you, God has been very good to you, and you would quickly admit that? Would you? Would you? All right. He wants you to remember how good he's been to you. And he's not the same to you every week. Would you agree with that? Well, I get paid every week and I tithe off everything I get paid every week. But some weeks God is better to you and he gives you unexpected blessings, serendipitous events. You discover delightful pleasantries that God gave to you like, oh, I didn't know that was coming. You're supposed to tithe off that too. He wants you to assess what he's given me and he wants you to bring it to the house of God. If this is not your church, well, you don't bring it here. We have hundreds of college students who have their churches somewhere else, and every week I encourage them to send their tithe back to their home church. That's fine. But this is where we call First Baptist Church our home. This is where God asks us to bring one-tenth of what he's given us. And then we commit it not to the church, but to the Lord. Now, every once in a while, someone says, well, I don't like what happened at the church. This hurt my feelings, so I'm going to stop giving. You could not be more stupid. And I forgive me for being a little blunt there, but that is ridiculous. You don't give it. And if you can't be here, then go somewhere else. But make sure you, you honor the Lord in that area. It's not, there's a lot of stuff that I don't understand. And when I've gone to church before and, and I exactly understand all that's going on, but I didn't, I didn't, that's, that, that left me the moment I gave my gift to the Lord. So number one, the rate is 10%. The nature is the first off all of my 10%. Then God says, I want you to assess what you've been given. I want you to bring it to the house of God and I want you to commit it to the Lord. What's the reason? <clears throat> Why? Why does God want human beings who have been saved by his grace to do this? Does God need our money? Is he saying in heaven, give, give, the baby's got to live? Is he saying, oh, man, if you don't do it, I don't know what we're going to do up here. No, no, no. This is the Lord's house. And he doesn't need me and he doesn't need you. And if I want to keep my big bucks or you want to keep your big bucks and say, I'm not doing that, that's your business. But I'll tell you why he wants to do it. Two, one, one thing is to care for God's work and his workers. Everyone who gets saved gets saved because someone gave before they got saved. Everyone. If you're going to heaven, it's because someone tied before you showed up. Well, I rode a bus. Who do you think put the gas in the bus? Who do you think bought the bus? Who do you think rented the bus? I remember getting saved that night. I was sitting in an auditorium. I didn't provide the heat, the air. I didn't provide the light. I didn't know who the preacher was, and I certainly didn't support him. I didn't pay for the pew I was sitting on or the songbook I sang out of. Someone gave all that so I could hear the gospel. 
And it's only right that I be faithful to honor the Lord after that for those who will come after me. Yeah. That's to care for God's work and his workers. Number two, though, is to teach me that God is real in my life. The concept is the fear of the Lord. In Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 22 and 23, the Bible tells Moses, God tells Moses, Moses, tell the people why I want them to tithe. He says, I want you to truly tithe off the increase that I give you every year. Anything I give you, honestly, divide it by 10 and return it back to God. And here's why. That you will learn to fear the Lord your God always. One of the biggest problems in our, in our circles and in this room is people don't really know God is real to them. They're going to heaven, but they don't think about God. You know what will change your attitude about God? Start giving to him. Where your treasure is, there your... Some of you, your heart is so far away from God. And we can, and I don't, I don't check this, but we could tell by your giving record. The dumb things that happen, the scared. Some folks are scared to death. They're scared of their shadow. You know, the Bible says the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. The Bible says, by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. I have found a parallel when people are living in moral, wicked lives, and they've got little secret worlds going over here. I don't know how often it is, but many times, if not most of the time, they're failing to honor the Lord. Because when you're on your phone, you're texting something you shouldn't, you're doing something you shouldn't do. If you knew God was right with you, you wouldn't do that. The Bible says, by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. When you know God is with you, you'll live an elevated life. You'll be very careful what you say, very, very careful what you do, what, what you would text or what you would look at. You want to get victory over a private sin? You better make sure you're honest with God. It's not the panacea of all life's problems, but it's a very general, practical rule. God wants us to learn to give so that it will care for God's work and his workers so that it will teach me that God is real in my life. I wouldn't want to run a family. I wouldn't want to try to be a husband. I wouldn't want to be a, I wouldn't want to want to be a brother or a sister. I wouldn't want to try to be a dad without the fear of God. And God tells us, look it up yourself. You explain it to me. Deuteronomy 14, 22 and 23, you find out why God wants us to do that. And you'll find that life is much easier when you live it in the fear of God. Our time is up this morning, but let me just tell you, not only is there a rate and a responsibility and a reason, but there is multitudes of rewards for anyone who honors the Lord with their life. You honor God, he will honor you. And the Bible says, honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of all your increase. You're never going to find the blessings of God upon your life now and through your longevity of however long you live, if you're not going to be honest with him, I want to encourage you. Some of you who are giving, may I encourage you to take this lesson and know that God's watching. He sees. He saw the rich man. He saw the widow. He knows what's going on. The offerings were not for humanity. They were for God. They were the offerings of God. Continue to be faithful and have confidence in God's word. If you're not honestly tithing, could I encourage you to start today? The Bible says, prove me now. 
So, Pastor, I'm, when, I get, when I get better settled off, I'm going to start giving. That's the wrong time. You can ask God about that. He said, start now. Prove me right this moment. And see if I will not reward you for being faithful to the Lord. I would encourage you, if you're not a faithful tither, to decide right now, today is the last day that I'll ever steal from God. Or yes, last week was the last week I'll ever steal from God. I'm never, I'm never going to not return what belongs to him again. That's a good feeling, to know you can go to heaven. You don't owe God any money. You owe him everything, but you don't have to owe him money. If you'll decide, you know what? Today is the first day of the rest of my life, my first Sunday. And the Bible says, lay by in store on the first day of the week as God has prospered him. It's a great opportunity. You've let me talk to you today. We see here that God was very interested. And he used an illustration to his disciples. Are you a disciple of Jesus? Let's catch the lesson. And let's catch the lesson.